The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brand you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the Rebrand Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we tell the untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and CEO of OH Partners, Scott Harkey, and we're going to hear about how LifeLock CEO lost grip on his identity. Joining us is Todd Davis, who's the former CEO of LifeLock. He's the current chairman of Cadenwood Brands, which provides plant-based wellness solutions for every consumer segment. Yesterday, Todd and I talked about why LifeLock CEO gave out his social security number. Well, today we're going to continue our conversation and discuss how to become a best-selling CBD brand at a major retailer like CVS. Here's my conversation with Todd Davis, executive chairman at Cadenwood and former CEO of LifeLock. What's up, buddy? We're back. Hey, Hark, this is fun. Let's go. All right. Well, we, we heard yesterday how you gave out your social security number and created a unicorn company. That was pretty awesome. We didn't get into how you were a celebrity apprentice sponsor and uh, the, the infamous Trump fight about sponsorship. So we, we probably won't get into that, but I, I want to tease that because it's just so funny. But I really want to talk about the new space you're in and disrupting in the CBD space. And you're one of the biggest CBD series of brands around a major retailer, a CPG brand retailer in, in major outlets like CVS and others. And you got Ricky Fowler on board and all this stuff. So tell me, tell me about Cadenwood, your next unicorn, and some awesome people involved like Eric Dickens, former CMO at, uh, at Kings Hawaiian, friend of mine. Tell me what's going on over there, Todd. Yeah, so things are so much fun at Cadenwood. I wanted to be retired Right. So LifeLock was great. I ran it for 12 years. I had all these intentions of being retired. And by the way, going off and working on my golf game and climbing Kilimanjaro <laughs> with cool guys. And this kind of stuff. We had fun at the Kilimanjaro hike for sure. This is where I got all these stories. I'm like, Todd, people need to hear these stories. This is amazing. You just got to fight with really? Trump on Celebrity Apprentice. You just gave us a free number. Like, now you're doing CBD? Like, what, what the heck? This is awesome. So, well, that, I was supposed to just go tell the old stories and be done building new brands. But Eric Dickens had, by the way, before he ran Kings Hawaiian, the CMO there, when they're, I think their first official CMO and just did incredible things for them. He had really helped me build LifeLock and that brand. And he was one of the head of my direct-to-consumer marketing, which was the main way, right? We grew the business. So when he showed up and said, hey, I just want to get together and get some advice, now, by the way, once you've been somewhat successful, you know, advice means they typically want money. Yeah, exactly. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> but I, well, I talked to Eric. I remember, and he he was he was doing Kings Wine. I think he took Kings Wine from like 
two million to like six hundred million or something, and yeah, like it was crazy. Or something crazy, right? And uh, I remember you loved him at, at LifeLock, and oh, he's like this ex helicopter pilot, like badass. So yes, yeah, he's like, how, you know, what do you think about Todd? He's like, yeah, well, you, you know, definitely, definitely go talk to him. I, I love what you're talking about. Next time, I'm like, wait, Todd, your chairman, like, what's going on? <laughs> well, so he shows up and he tells me about. Hey, have you heard of CBD? And Scott, you know it. Not everybody else does, but I'll go ahead and let them know. I'm a nerd. I didn't know squat about CBD. I don't know THC. You know, I had, I'm a total nerd. So <laughs> he has to explain it to me in the farm bill and whatever. And by the way, he's there with his former boss that did at Kraft and at uh, Dial Hinkle. So consumer packaged goods was incredibly successful, who his most recent venture had been with Core Water. Saying the big water, bottled water, alkalinity, all You're that. You're talking about Doug, Doug Weeks, right? Doug Weeks. So he's incredible, uh, brilliant. So these two show up. We have lunch for the advice, right? And <laughs> I'm saying, so wait, let me get this. Let me get this straight. This CBD stuff, you got 30 million active users in the U.S. It's now legal, but because there's not clarity, right? Because the FDA hasn't made it clear, is it a nutraceutical? How do we treat it? It used to be a class one drug. What do we do? None of the big brands are going to touch it yet. It's way too risky, right? So I'm like, so you're telling me there's 30 million active users. There is no brand leadership whatsoever. People can't name a brand. They're seeing stuff in the local convenience store or more like their you know, day spa or something. Somebody has arthritis and pain. Someone's recommending it, but it's local. It's regional. There is no national brand that's carrying the day. There are a couple of first movers who had gotten some retail distribution, right? But there wasn't a really strong consumer package good uh, with that kind of experience, right? Most of them, Scott, keep in mind, were coming from the THC or marijuana side of the business. So they either still had that part of the business and they were also dabbling in CBD. Well, those folks are used to working behind the scenes in dark alleys, right? They're not right? They're not going to conferences. They're not, you're not hiring people with public company experience, right? So when these guys come to me and tell me about this opportunity, and then I say, so wait, let me get this right. We want to go build the industry leading brand and you two guys can sell prison rations, bread and water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kings, wine, bread, core water. I'm like, and Eric and I have done this before. I tried to hire Doug twice. I just couldn't get him hired at LifeLock, Right. I'm like, oh, I am in, right? <laughs> and at first I was like, oh, well, I'll just be an investor. I'll put up $2 million of 10 you need to raise, but you're going to have to raise more money, and I'll, uh, but I don't want to be on the board. Dude, and then we got so excited. We were having so much fun. Next thing I know, I'm $3 million. I'm an oversubscribed 15. I'm chairman of the board. Then I become executive chairman. But, you know, it's that enthusiastic passion that we have for building a brand, right? And so we talked about it yesterday. So, you know, the first thing you had to wake people up, get attention, right? You had to be credible. You know, we talked about in the lifelong when I did PR, made more credible. Well, so thinking about this particular business, one, showing up on store shelves, you look more credible, Absolutely. right? Because you, you had to be vetted. Now, I will also tell you, I have an investment thesis about why we want to be on retail versus selling direct. Just real quick, that version is because once... The clarity comes, the inventory turns, and we know this because of one of the smaller retailers that sells gummies and ingestibles, consumables, which most of the big guys, CVS, Walgreens, Albertson, Safeway, Kroger, all these guys that we have, they don't 
sell the ingestibles, right? There, so it's topical, sports cream type stuff. Think of it like against BioFreeze or Icy Hot or something, right? Yep. But with CBD. So the inventory turns are going to be eight times greater when you take it as a nutraceutical daily, a couple of gummies, whatever. So that means this $20 million worth of revenue and these 26,000 store doors that we have. So we're now the biggest retail distributor of CBD in the U.S. is going to go from being worth 20 million to 160 million, literally almost overnight. Wait, how is that? Because you're getting an ingestible market, not just the cream? So the second the FDA gives clarity, right, and says, okay, it's a nutraceutical, which they haven't done yet. And we don't have, no one knows when they're going to do it. This is the risk factor, right? But when they do it, we already know that these big guys like CBS are interested, want to talk about ingestibles, doing gummies. Yeah. And we have a great relationship with a top-selling CBD brand in CVS with our Level Select product line that we, we launched ourselves. We're also in there with one called Social CBD, more of a female demographic. We actually bought that asset along the way. But, you know, they're already saying we're interested when the time comes, right? Well, that's huge. We're also launching a line of non-CBD products, just plant-based wellness that will also get more store doors. But what happens is, think about how often do you buy BioFreeze or Icy Hot, right? Once a year? Yeah, not a lot. Maybe? And I, I'm, Maybe? A, I'm, a, I'm a user for sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and you're athletic, you do stuff, you get yeah. sore, but how often? How often do you take your vitamins? Yeah. How often do you take your supplements? Every day, right? Or close to it, right? You miss them every once in a while. But think about that. So if I'm selling a product right now, the inventory turns are one point something units a week, right? I mean, that's not a huge turn. The second we're selling ingestibles and basically whatever you're buying, you should consume in 30 days. So people go a little longer, but the average inventory turns are going to go up eightfold unless you're selling direct to consumer because they can already buy direct from you. They can already buy gummies. In fact, all these folks could sell them today, but they're not going to poke the bear of the FDA, right? But that is what I mean when I say building a brand or having this strategy, this is where you need this clarity, right? So we said, go out, be disruptive. So we have the most share voice by any, it's not even close, right? We have great media deals. We have some of them as investors. You're on like discovery right? networks. and Yes, and we've done deals with Sinclair. And, and so we've got some great media partners. So we can go into retailers and say, hey, we have the only former U.S. Surgeon General tied to any CBD company. We're the biggest... We have the most CBD per product, which is part of the brand promise, right? Efficacy, and then you have to deliver, like we talked about. And I'm going to have more share of voice, like twice, more than twice. You know, we're like 60% share of voice, right, for the industry, for the whole thing. And there's thousands, 2,000 brands or whatever. And we're like 60% of the share of voice for the whole industry, right? So that is a huge differentiator for those retailers, Right. So now we're in retail. Now we can sell direct. And we also have some great endorsements. We got Ricky Fowler and Carson Palmer and Andy Myers Drysdale. And of course, Steve Garvey, legend, right? Uh, so Holly McPeak, we got some great athletes that help validate, right? But now that's how we did it. So get that share of voice, make the brand promise to both the retailers and the consumers that we will have the efficacy. So you have to have enough CBD and stuff in, in the CBD product lines. The plant-based wellness has to work. If I only gave you half a Tylenol when you had a headache, you'd think it doesn't work. You wouldn't buy it again, right? So you have to make the commitment 
that makes sure that my brand promises I will have be effective on what claims I am making. Now, we don't make claims specific to the CBD because, again, until there's clarity, I don't want to poke the bear. I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody. So we can make claims against the other active ingredients. But this is such a unique situation where, again, 30, 40 million people in the U.S. already have a belief system about CBD. What's so funny is I'm thinking about just, and let's just go to some of the tactics you're using that I think maybe some less experienced brand marketers may pick apart. And they, they may go, wait a minute, Todd, you're basically saying, you know, screwed direct response and D2C. I know that's a trend and that's a big thing. We know social media is a big thing, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to go <laughs> heavy retail. We're going to share a voice on traditional media channels like, oh, television. And, and we're going <laughs> to own this freaking market. And that's going to establish us as a brand leader. And we're going to dominate retail shelves. And we're going to dominate share of voice on television and radio. And then as this new ingestible build happens for us, we're going to have 20 times our valuation. And then we can build out. And I'm sure you're doing some D to C, but it hasn't been the early, it hasn't been the early focus. It's, I, I think some brand marketers would kind of potentially criticize that a little, but it, it, it seems to be the right move. Well, by the way, I hope all the CBD guys stick with their strategy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to stick with that one. The other 1,900 <laughs> brands or 1,980 brands or whatever. That's right. They should stick with direct-to-consumer and social media. Now, so let me be super clear on this, right? This is somewhat of a unique category because the big brands can get in. Like if you're still trying to be an emerging, that's different, right? But I have... Be a niche marketer if you're trying to emerge potentially, yes. Correct. So if I'm emerging, I got to watch my dollars and I... Yeah. But that's not what this is, right? So this is the chance. I mean, first of all, it is super rare that they're going to be this size of an addressable market that already exists. So this isn't a fad. This isn't, I mean, it's a category, right? So think about, Scott, back when energy drinks first came around. The first question was, is this a fad? Correct. Right? So it's only going to last a year or two and then be gone. Then it became a category. Now look what Red Bull and Monster and all these guys are worth five-hour energy, all this stuff. So this is super rare that there is a category of this addressable market already using it. We already know it's a category, but the big guys can't play. It's crazy. Forget new people needing to adopt THC. You're just talking about the 50 million users today of... Correct. Not even THC, I'm sorry, CBD. Yeah. And then what you're talking about is is now we want CBD everyday users instead, yes. instead of the cream. And then and then potentially even way down the line is, okay, for, forget about CBD. What, how about pain? Or how about... Right, okay. The well, and then think about... Then, I mean, this will make more sense to you too. Of course, I'd like to sell on Amazon. But right now, Amazon does not let you say CBD. It must say hemp-derived. Well, by the way, in an early-stage category, that's so damn confusing. So is hemp, is hemp, wait, is hemp the marijuana stuff? Is hemp the, wait, I'm so, is that, well, I didn't want hemp. I wanted CBD. I don't, what's full-spectrum hemp? It's terrible, right, for the consumer. Some people are trying to play a game, and they'll, you know, change the outside of the box, but the inside still says CBD or whatever. I can't play that game because... There's going to be an exit. When the big guys can't get in, they're going to buy the most attractive Correct. companies. Yep. So, yep. right? But there's a reason we can't sell on Amazon today. Plus, Google and Meta have tons of restriction around CBD, which isn't THC. It's not we're getting high Correct. marijuana. But they're still, they don't want to. So think about that, though. By making this investment in the traditional, in the old school retail, traditional media, right? I've got a 
brand recognition, right, already, that now, of course, when they can set up a subscription order on Amazon, they will, right? Of course, that's going to be a key part of our metrics and our KPIs, but it's later. I'm not going to go have some hemp-derived whatever. Now, I may have some non-CBD products under the level select and, and social brands, maybe even some of our other purity patent, this kind of stuff. But that will be so that we've got SKUs, so we've got brand recognition. And then when the time comes and they decide we're okay with CBD, it's literally flip the switch and I have a massive advantage yep. on everybody else. Yep. Right. And so, and then it's hard to knock us out. Correct. And P&G or Nestle or somebody's like, we got to buy you. Is, of course. I love what you talked about in terms of, I think it was last episode about uh, early stage investments deals. You've been all, you and I are, are in a deal right now together. And is there a, maybe a common mistake that early stage companies and brand marketers both make, like that you see that comes up frequently Yeah. Um, in terms of, of marketing or, or brand positioning? Well, let me, let me segment it a little bit, right? Yeah. So <laughs> first, everybody thinks they're a marketer. Every investor, every board member you have, private, whatever, every, every, your neighbor, your aunt and uncle, your father, you know, everybody thinks they're a marketer. So that's a problem for an early stage company because when the investor doesn't like something or likes something, whatever, has an idea, it's, you got to have courage to be able to say, look, you're investing in us. I, I hear you. I want to make you happy. Me failing is not going to make you happy, mm -hmm. you know, and so you just got to trust me on this. But there's a lot who don't want to do that, who want to take, I got to take their advice if I take their money, right? And I won't name names, but like there was one um, person we had at one point at LifeLock who was critical of a certain ad campaign or whatever. And I'm literally like, you have no background in this. <laughs> Why would you take this position, right, to try to challenge us in our account when we're, it's working, what are you, you know, right? So the investors need to remember they're not marketers, right? They're really not, even though they all think they are. So then uh, let's shift our gears to the actual marketing folks, especially early stage. I heard a great trait for good marketers or early stage founders, which is having that confidence and backbone to stand up to people that are trying to derail good marketing and their gut and their instincts and their insights are going a certain way and being able to tell people, hey, yes, great, thanks, but we're going this way. So <laughs> almost like like an Eric Dickens would be like, no, good idea. Yes. We're going. Thank you. So yeah. that, that's great. Okay, yeah. So I love that. Like Eric would turn to everybody right now and say, we're, I don't care about social media, really. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right now, I don't care. No, I like don't waste my time. Right. Which is early stage investors like, tell me your social media strategy. Tell me your right. And we're like, there's not going to be one for a while. <laughs> and they're like, whoa, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Right? But you got to have courage to be able to do that, right? 100%. So then the existing marketing person, right, whoever that man or woman is, you have got to trust your instincts, okay? So let me be really clear. Even if you fail, it is much better that you trusted your instincts and failed, right, than were successful because you were scared. If it's fear-based, if you're doing someone else's because you don't want to take the chance, you are doing a disservice to the role, basically, right? And certainly to the investors and the executives and the team that you're supposed to be doing. I wanted people who would take chances. I wanted people who would push the envelope. I wanted to know. In fact, I wanted to fail every once in a while in some of our endeavors 
because it meant, okay, I'm pushing the envelope. If everything we did worked every time, then we clearly were not close to pushing the envelope. Because it doesn't, you can look at LifeLock back in the day, even look at Cadenwood now, and it looks like from where we were to where we are that, oh, they've just been firing on all cylinders. Let me be crystal clear. Hell no. We made so many mistakes. We had so many things that didn't work, but we failed fast. Learn from it, right? I'm still a big fan of testing. And like you know, we talked about in yesterday's episode, I'm great. Go, go get insights, right? But then the marketing person is the one that's supposed to deliver the disruptive mechanism, right, medium to get people's attention. That is, it has to be, it can't be safe. Safe is, is fail. You're dead in the water. I, I love that. I, I think that definitely answers the biggest mistakes you see brand marketers and early stage entrepreneurs make is, is playing it too safe and not having the courage and backbone to trust their gut and to move forward with where they think the company should go, where consumers and, and their users are. I, I love that. I re- well, think about how many, come on, Scott, how many times have we seen you know, the deck and then the email campaign, we're going to do an email and again, yeah. it lists all the damn features. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Everyone Let's focuses see. on the tactics and they, 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 the campaigns, right. you know, serving four different people on the board and stakeholders in the company and the demographic has five different demographics. And so there's just, there's no position that's watered down. And they down spread track. it so thin. Yep. Hoping that, well, something in there, either the investor liked or the board likes or some consumer would like, except that they're not listening. I call that buttering the toast too thin. It's you know, no <laughs> one, you're just eating crappy bread. There's no butter on it. You need to, you know what I mean? Like, oh, we're doing 20 different media taxes. I'm like, how about, no. let's try three. We have very little budget. How about, how about three and one demo <laughs> and, well, and one feature? That's what you get. Well, so I was going to hit on, you and I know each other real well, but I have this concept of decisive points. Yes. Which says, you know, unlike a goal or something we're testing, if it fails, it's catastrophic to the mission. If it succeeds, you're exponentially faster to what you deem successful. Well, there, that element of pick the feature, pick the thing that is going to get people's attention, right? And launch it, go, right? Like get aggressive, right? I agree. Like we don't have time to have a full little baked meal out. Let's, let's market that. Let's market some candy. Let the one best. A hundred percent. That is such a better strategy every time than like you said, the milk toast kind of, you know, no butter. Don't, don't try to be everything bit. Make a bet. Go, go aggressive. I love it. Make a bet from Todd Davis. Make a bet. All right, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, that wraps up this episode of the Rebrand Podcast. Thanks to Todd Davis, former CEO of LifeLock and executive chairman at Cadenwood Brands for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Todd, look for his LinkedIn profile, Todd Davis, in the show notes. Or you can visit his company website, cadenwoodbrands.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to the podcast, head over to rebrandpod.com. We will have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our newsletter, or if you want to talk about your most impactful marketing campaign, you can apply to be our guest speaker on the Rebrand Podcast.
Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at rebrandpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is sharkyaz or Instagram Scott Harkey. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of marketing campaign brilliance in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button on your podcast app and we'll be right back in your feed the next business day. Okay, that's it for today. But next time, remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand.